welcome to the podcast, Let's Create Something New. Thank you for your interest, the investment of your time, and your thoughts on this important topic. Where did the topic come from? ACTW, which stands for Advancing the Careers of Technical Women, invited me to be a keynote speaker at their conference in Chicago in October of 2016. I initially reneged, thinking, I am not a scientist or an engineer. I'm not right. I learned about the imposter syndrome, and I wondered if I struggled from it. Perhaps so. Why did I feel that I had to be perfect to contribute? Convinced I had something to give by the woman who invited me, I created a topic called Women in Business and Technology. It was more authentic, and it gave me a way to participate. If you want to hear the 20-minute speech that launched this podcast, please check it out at nlachicago.com. As I was closing my speech, I said, if we don't like it, let's create something new. And it was getting attention by the women and the few men in the audience. They were tweeting. They were repeating it. They were hashtagging it. This concept was reaching people, and it seemed to be mobilizing them. It was not the ice bucket challenge, but it got attention from the women and the men. The few guys in the audience responded. I figured, I'm onto something really big. Women are asking for more, and men were encouraging me to do more. We're acknowledging that the gap is real. That's new. We're also saying as a collective group, the way work is structured is not working for us. We're not contributing enough. The payoff is not big enough for the life investment we're making, and progress is hindered. We're collectively saying this is not working. I went on to do a workshop on this topic in May of 2017 at the ACTW conference in New York and came to the assessment that this is a big, big topic. Of the 200 or so attendees, 60 chose this topic, and the men, again, were interested. I struggled because I didn't know the situations, the life experiences, the worldviews of the group. I left feeling I didn't contribute enough. There are several great voices out there now that are talking about the gender gaps and misunderstandings. Most notably, Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook, so grateful to her for framing this topic in a real and tangible way. John Gray, author of the Mars Venus series. Warren Farrell, who once was the president of the National Organization of Women. Camille Polia, a big, big thinker with a broad, unfiltered worldview. Overwhelmed by the scope of this project, I've decided to rely on some business methodologies to help guide the process, including business architecture and Six Sigma. A mobilizing first step in business architecture is to imagine what could be in the world of possibilities with no barriers, and then to start to build toward that future by assessing where you are now and taking it from there. Women are asking for flexibility in the workplace. They're asking not to be punished if they take time off from their career path to stretch a new skill, whether or not it's directly linked to the task. Study abroad, work in a mission, build a nonprofit, have a family, write a book, take care of an aging or sick family member or friends. They want to be recognized for the skills they gained from the sabbatical and not penalized for it. 
Men are saying, that sounds really good. We didn't even know we could ask. The way we employ next level architecture at NLA Chicago is to first understand that business architecture is a metaphor. The way your company or organization works today is a result of systems, processes, and decisions that currently exist, and that includes the good, the great, the bad, and the ugly. Which means we have what we have today because the system was built this way. If we want to create something new, we can build it. And who better to build it than women and men working in technology? If you want to create something new, you'll have to look at the systems, the processes, and the decisions with a critical and objective eye. When I was first introduced to business architecture, I looked up the definition on Wikipedia and it reads, a blueprint of the enterprise that provides a common understanding of the organization and is used to align strategic objectives and tactical demands. And I cynically thought, is this what we're calling it now? I'm deeply trained in systems and processes as they're aligned to execute strategy. It started early in my career, probably with quality circles, then total customer focus, the sage teachings and practices of Ed Deming, and finally Six Sigma, while looking at, and while looking at systems in a different way, the original intent was to help execute strategy, align organizations, and create agility. One of the things I love about business architecture is that it's tool agnostic, meaning that the proper tools that are needed will be used at the time. This just makes a ton of business sense. I use business architecture as a metaphor. I find that this helps people to grasp the concept. Almost everyone has done some sort of home improvement project or lived through one. As a woman who rehabs buildings, using this metaphor with business really works for me. I also make sure that I qualify it's a metaphor because I've deeply offended some friends who are real architects, a man who designs and rehabs buildings in Chicago, and a woman in New York who helps design communities. I apologize deeply and I tell them, hey, I'm just trying to make a living. The metaphor architecture is used just like it is when someone says they're a computer doctor or a domestic engineer. Architecture is a word that is used to help us understand the scope of this work. My Six Sigma training is unique as I work with human processes, not entirely automated or manufactured processes. I've only met one business person, a woman, a partner at ENY, astute enough to zero in on that. Really? I want to hear all about that. She understood that it's impossible for a human being to function at Six Sigma. The literal definition of Six Sigma is to have 3.4 defects in 1 million occurrences. You can do that with a machine or automation, but it is impossible with people. The project I led at GE was to reduce the sales cycle of a new account from the moment of initial contact to the time the contract was funded. For those of you in new business development, what is more fluid than sales? There are so many moving parts to achieving success. We reduced the sales cycle by 50%, and according to the presentation we gave to executives, we did achieve Six Sigma. How did we do that? When people are flawed and inconsistent, they have good days and bad days, they have biases, they have variances in understanding. 
In short, when you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with the whole catastrophe and perfection will look like a 20% error rate. So how did we achieve Six Sigma on that project? We defined our measurable tasks very narrowly. For instance, for 1 million occurrences of answering the phone, our people dropped the phone less than 3.4 times as they picked up the phone. I'm not proud of it, but it's true. We needed to hit a metric, and we did. This project was even written up in an industry journal at the time, touting our success. What it taught me is that when you're given a presentation, you should look under the covers to determine how the recommendations were devised and what's underneath the metrics. Regardless of whether we achieve Six Sigma or a 20% error rate, which is highly likely, a lot of good came from that project. We moved the needle and we created real value. Some of you may remember that under the Jack Welch years at GE, the goal was to be number one or number two in each industry served. One tactic used was to grow by acquisition, so they bought smaller companies, which created temporary market share and a hodgepodge of systems and processes. As the contracts began to cycle out, market share began to diminish, and uh-oh, now we had to figure it out. One of the greatest lessons I learned from being immersed in a culture of Six Sigma is when you are looking at challenges, it is never the people that are to blame, it is always the process that is broken. Focusing on the process and fixing processes while understanding the people creates engagement. Engagement is critical when you're attempting to create an agile environment. There has to be a system of trust and the ability to highlight fractures in the existing systems without repercussion. There has to be personal accountability on all levels. Learning this and working with this was an important development on my journey of developing soft skills, skills that create great value but are hard to measure, the skills that have served me so well. So I'll use these two methodologies to create the foundation for this podcast, Let's Create Something New. We'll start by looking at what our current state is. The realities today and the way that men and women work today. And then we'll look at broken processes and see how we can fix them. There's no doubt that in many organizations, we will move the needle closer to a more desired future state where women can flourish, men are not demonized, we don't create a gender war, and men and women can understand how they can be successful in a new system. The new system will be less hierarchical, which does not seem to be working. The new system will be more transparent, more accountable, and more flexible. Women are asking for flexibility in the workplace and less, less linear career paths. And what I'm hearing from men is we didn't even know we could ask. Hey, we want that too. And because of it, great new systems are being built and more people are flourishing and we're having more fun and we're building better lives, creating stronger communities and creating change. Follow this podcast to learn and be part of creating the story. If you're angry and you're looking for a place to vent, there's a lot to be angry about for sure. If that's what you need to be, you should express it. I encourage you to do so. Anger is a mobilizing force and emotions are necessary and important. When you've processed it all, 
And if you become ready to say, hey, I'm ready to be part of building something, come back, we'll be here. There can be parallel paths. What you've learned from looking at the injustice, I'm sure will be of great value. Me personally, as I started to work with ActW and ChickTech, the educational foundation that provides STEM programs for girls, I cyberstalked some of the men that started out with me. Now they are SVPs, EVPs, presidents and board members. Not all of them, but a good handful of them. I was not getting that career path in corporate America 20 years ago. So I created my own. The result is I have learned so much about business. I have had no boundaries on what I could learn or where I could work or what I could do. It opened me up to learning business disciplines I would have probably never had access to in a hierarchy. Just because I had the courage to ask and to risk, it opened me up to learning in a way where I can really retain and challenge information. It opened me up to any industry that interested me, to world travel and family relationships and friendships I could invest in. My path has not been linear but it has been glorious. If you want to explore how in organizations we can do more with what we have now to create something new where women are successful and men have a chance to achieve success too, think of this podcast as a yellow sticky note on a big whiteboard. The first step in exploring the possibilities, be part of building the foundation, be part of the conversation, Take action steps to move forward and let's create something new. If you like the conversation and feel moved to share stories of what you're doing in, in the organization you work with, send them my way so we can share examples of how it's done. If we don't like the way it is, let's create something new. 